What up, y'all? It's Jesse here, a.k.a. Jesse Prada, coming back at you with another episode on the Christ Convo podcast, where we inspire you to live the best way you can for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, I hope this episode blesses you. Let's get into it, y'all. All right, yo, yo, what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Jesse a.k.a. Jesse Prada. I'm back at it again with another episode of Christ Convo Podcast. And today, y'all, we're having a conversation about the topic of being prophetic versus being judgmental. And this is something that was stirred up between me and my friend that we had a conversation earlier today um, about you know, the difference between being prophetic and being judgmental. And I think it's very important to highlight this kind of topic, because if I could just be honest, I think a lot of people have been hurt. I think a lot of people have been misjudged. And I think a lot of people have been um, wrong because they have confused um, their preferences or their judgments with the prophetic And so I just want to really dive deep into that. And another reason why I feel like it's important for me to uh, bring this up is because for those of you who don't know, I was just recently ordained as a prophet um, in the house of God in which I currently serve, Nova Hub Church, in uh, in November. And so I think, you know, it's important that prophetic people and prophets are just honest and open and transparent about these kind of things because I think this allows the prophetic to stay pure in the body of Christ. I think if these kind of conversations are not had, it 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 gives room for divination, it gives room for witchcraft, it gives room for manipulation when you don't have conversations like these. So, um today I'm just going to literally be talking. There's no guest. I'm literally just going to be flowing. This is not a preached message or anything like that. I'm just going to be talking about my experiences with being prophetic, being a prophet, and still kind of dealing with, you know, the judgmental spirit. So first things first, I just want to, you know, I want to take my time. I'm going to take my time. Okay. So first things first is, you know, when you look at the topic as, you know, being prophetic versus being judgmental, right? When you look at the prophetic, or even when you look at the office of the prophets, a lot of times you will see in the word that prophets, they speak forth repentance or they speak forth judgment, right? Um, You have instances where the prophet Nathan corrected David because of him sleeping with Bathsheba. You have instances where Elijah called down fire from heaven. You have instances where the prophet John the Baptist Uh, told the people of God to repent, right? Jesus, whom was a prophet, the first thing that he preached was repent, turn from your wicked ways, change change your mind. You know what I mean? Um, Many prophets in the Bible, you will see consistently talking about the idolatry of man and how they need to repent and turn. Ezra, uh, in I believe Ezra chapter 9, he prays um, for the people because of uh, marriages where God's people were having marriages with an idolatrous people. And so like the job of the prophet and the prophetic is to lead you to Jesus. And so in the midst of that, 
in you being led to Jesus, your idols will be confronted. Your perspectives, your mindsets that are demonic will be confronted if you are truly coming into the prophetic. But I think sometimes we get confused with that. And I think especially, you know, especially with prophetic people and prophets, um, we have labeled the prophetic as mean, rude, nasty, um, and sometimes even prideful because of the way that it can come off. And I understand that because I know that there have been a lot of impure things that have occurred in the instance of the prophetic in the church. But I want to, and this is literally spontaneous, because um, I know I looked this up before, but I want to look it up and I want to read it. I'm going to look up the definition of judgmental and what this means. Okay, so the word judgmental, it means having or displaying an excessively critical point of view. So if you're judgmental, that means you are extremely critical. That means you have a very pessimistic, negative perspective in the way that you judge people, organizations, movements, families, histories, whatever have you will, right? And so I think the thing is with the prophetic, right? I am not denying the the true the trueness of the prophetic. The prophetic is real. The prophetic is true. And what do I mean by that? Part of the prophetic is the operating of the gift of the discerning of spirits. So, yes, there have been times where I have looked somebody in their face as a prophetic individual. I have no context of their life, but I discern what demonic spirit may be operating in them. As an individual, God can open your eyes to see and discern those kind of things. Or there may be times where you're in an environment and something is off, but you don't know why. And in actuality, something could be off. You just don't know it with your natural tendencies because the spirit of God is speaking to you and opening up the spirit realm. So you're able to detect and discern things that you would not if you were in the natural so I'm not denying that these kind of things are not real. There have been times where I've walked in the church and I'm like, God is not here. He is not pleased with what's happening with no context. And I was accurate. And and I and other people were also feeling the same thing. So I don't want to sit here and say that the prophetic is not real or that the word of knowledge is not real. But I think the problem is, is when people have demonstrated a certain level of accuracy in the prophetic what now is a struggle is when you have a prophetic individual that is accurate and is sharp and has razor point prophetics they now have to battle the difference between the prophetic and their bias they now have to battle between the prophetic and their preferences they now have to battle between the prophetic and things that they just simply don't like. So for me, the reason why I know so much about this is because I was bound with a judgmental spirit and God delivered me. And why did I use the language of me saying bound? Because I think you have to realize when you are a judgmental person and you look at things from a critical point of view, when you are overly critical, when you are overly analytical, 
when you over when you are overly scrutinizing everything, it shows that you are bound in your soul, in your heart and in your mind. I judged people. What I noticed about myself is when I was the most insecure in my life, it was when I was the most judgmental. When I was the most fearful in my life, it was when I was the most judgmental. When I dealt with comparison the most ever in my life, it was during the season when I was struggling and battling with a judgmental spirit. And I was listening to a sermon about this earlier today. And the preacher said, he does not know anybody that is judgmental that loves themselves. And so I think about how the scripture says, love your neighbor as yourself, which means the only way that you can project true love to your neighbor is that you have projected true, authentic love to yourself first. So what it shows me and what it shows many people, I'm so sorry, this train is so loud. Hopefully y'all don't hear it. Um, What it shows me and what it shows other individuals is that if you project an overly judgmental point of view or an overly critical point of view, what this shows is if you project this to other people, this is who you are to yourself. This is who you are when it's just you and when you're looking in the mirror. And so the reason why that's a problem is because one, that's not how God looks at you. And and another reason why it's a problem is because if you don't have somebody in your life to confront you and to say, this is not the prophetic, this is your opinion and what you think, you will now utilize your overly critical notions and you will now correlate that to the prophetic when it's not. So something that I noticed for me is Though I have operated in the word of knowledge before, though I have operated with the discerning of spirits before, something that I ran into all the time, y'all, and I had to repent silently and privately because I didn't want people to know. But and I'm just being honest because I don't I don't I don't like I don't like to be superficial or fake. Like I'm willing to admit that I struggled with a judgmental spirit, but I had I had a consistent cycle in my life where I would see somebody or see something and I would make a preconceived notion and I would make a judgment about it. And I swore I was accurate and I was proven wrong. I can't tell you how many people that I have judged out of quote unquote being discerning or quote unquote having an off feeling in my spirit. And I met them and I found out how great that they were, that they belonged to God that they had the fruit of the spirit and these people blessed my life and I didn't even know it. And first things first is if I wasn't humble enough to admit that I was simply wrong, I would have robbed myself from some of the relationships that I have to this very day. Um, And, and so, you know, I just think it's something to evaluate because here's the thing, y'all, the more of a gift you have, the more responsible you are. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it comes to this is why the prayer closet is so important. Um, And you have to allow the Lord to search you and you have to allow yourself to be sober, because even when it comes to the prophetic, like it is also filtered through your soul. So like you have to be you you have to be you have to be um, 
what's the word? You have to be careful. You have to be cautious. So here's an example, right? Let's just say if you're a person that has sharp and brash words and you're just very brutally honest, let's say God gives you a prophetic word for an individual that is very talkative and God wants them to learn how to talk less and listen more, right? And so God says, hey, tell this person that I would desire for them to talk less and to listen more. And you say, God says, shut up. God says you talk too much. God said, be quiet. That's something to evaluate because in a sense, yes, the Lord did tell them that he wanted them to talk less, but did he tell them to shut up though? Did he say it like the way that you said it? Something I said one time, I said, you know, the prophetic is not just determined. The accuracy in the prophetic is not just determined by the information that you can pull. The accuracy in the prophetic is also your ability to communicate what God is saying, but also how he is saying it. So if if so, this is the thing. If God tells me something for you prophetically and I share that with you information wise, but I don't say it in the same spirit or in my heart posture aligned with if I don't say it in the same heart posture in which he said it to you then I'm off, then I'm inaccurate, then I'm wrong, and I'm now operating out of my own emotions. Another thing, too, you have to do, oh, God, I just feel so vulnerable today, so I'm going to just be vulnerable. Another thing you have to do with the prophetic is you have to be careful to not get revenge um, for things that occurred in your life. So something about me is I used to be bullied. I used to be bullied a lot. Um, and so when you operate in the prophetic, Hey, look, it could, it could, it could, God will give you some authority when you operate in gifts, when the anointing is on your life, you will be able to operate in authority. Sometimes when God gives you a prophetic word, the person's next breakthrough is in the word of the Lord in your mouth. And so you have to obey. But when you begin to prophesy and when you begin to move in the prophetic, it puts you in a place where God is trusting you with the authority to carry his information and his intel on a certain person, right? So what we have to understand is, or at least specifically for me, what the war for me was when I first found out that I was a prophet, or when I first found out I was a when I, that I was a prophetic individual, I had to make sure that when I operated in the prophetic, that 12-year-old Jesse was not showing up. I'm going to just let that sit and simmer because I really feel like people need to understand that. And, and this is how we get judgmental people who are prophetic. Right. And so you have to be sober. You have to you have to ask yourself, OK, is this what thus saith the Lord or is this what thus saith Jesse? Because also when you're prophetic and people trust your words, you can't just be saying stuff. You can't just fly out the mouth. Right. So so you you have and I'll go back to what I just said, like when I'm prophesying or when I'm declaring God's word over you, I don't need 12 year old Jesse to be showing up. I don't need 12 year old offended Jesse who was bullied by his classmates to be showing up as a prophet of God when he's on the mic giving the word of the Lord, because you will say things determining based. You will say things based off of your lens. 
based off of the way that you see things. But if you are not operating in the mind of Christ, you can easily, it's it's not hard to slip into divination, y'all. It's not hard to slip into soulless prophecy. It's not hard to slip into being emotional and angry and frustrated while you're prophesying, okay? So you just have to understand like what, what this truly is. Another thing too about the prophetic is, y'all, when it comes to the discerning of spirits or when it comes to operating in the gift of prophecy, the Bible says the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what is the testimony of Jesus Christ? Testimony of Jesus Christ is, is the gospel, right? That we as human beings, we are flawed, we have sin, and we have been disqualified to behold God because of sin. But Jesus, in his perfected state, came down, put on flesh, wrapped himself in flesh, died the death that we could not die, rose from the grave, operated in the resurrection power of the Lord, which is himself, and then ascended to the hill of the Father, put his blood on the mercy seat, advocating for our salvation, and then sent his spirit so that when we accepted him as our Lord and Savior, we have the keeping power of the Spirit of God to help us walk sanctified and holy. So this is the thing about the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is not just him coming because there was something wrong with us. But the full testimony of Jesus is he came because we are flawed and because we were sinners, but he also came to redeem. How do you know that the prophetic is truly being operated in? Redemption. Redemption. How you truly know that somebody is operating in the prophetic for real, for real, is the redemption of the blood of Jesus. So this is the thing. You can easily discern what's wrong with somebody, but you want to know how you're truly prophetic when you can look at a prostitute and see a prophet of God, when you can look at a witch and see an apostle, when you can look at a weed addict and see a business owner that's called to finance the kingdom. Because what I, what I, what I notice so, so much in the prophetic, and I've fallen victim to this too, it seems to me that all of these voices that have been commissioned by Jesus are a lot more fluent in discerning the devil in you and not the godly destiny in you. And you know what I think that is? I think that's motivated by religion and a spirit of fear. And what do I mean by that? I think when, and I'm gonna just be honest because we know, we know, listen, y'all, we're gonna be honest. We know this kind of stuff is in the church. If you're in church, and a woman, and I'm not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna say this is every church, but I'm gonna say the average church in America, the average church in America, if they saw a woman who was dressed provocatively walk into their church, their religiosity would begin to toil and cringe in their soul. And I think it's fear. And I think the reason why they're afraid is because one, they think that the demons of another person is going to jump out on them. But I also think as well, people are afraid of what they don't know. What do I mean by that? I think a lot of Christians, and, and, and this is, I'm going to say this because this shows how much we do not look like Jesus. I think a lot of Christians 
they are out of they they move in a place of fear because religion is fear based. That's number one. Religion is fear based. When somebody is dealing with a spirit of legalism and religion, it is fear based. I think a lot of reasons why Christians are afraid when these homosexuals, when these prostitutes, when these drug lords, when these thugs, when all these folks that were not churchified come into our church. I think the reason why we're scared is because we don't know what to do. We're scared because we've been frozen in our tracks. We don't know how to handle people that have not been churchified. We don't know how to handle people who are just simply coming straight from the world into the church. We don't know how to fully operate and be the antidote. And so because we are operating in a spirit of fear, we now retreat to what we do know, which is casting judgment, which is saying we have a funny feeling in our spirit. It's so sad how we have given so much credit to the devil. Do you know the Bible says that Jesus said to his disciples in the Great Commission, he said, I have all power in heaven and earth in my hands. I just wonder if Jesus has all power in heaven and earth in his hands, why are we afraid if somebody who does not look like the church comes into the church? And, and, and you know, I think we really I think we really missed it. I think we've really missed it with this kind of stuff. Like the Bible says, go forth and make disciples. So in order for you to make disciples, that means you have to run into people that aren't disciples so that the Holy Spirit can lead you in turning them into disciples. I think we're scared. I think a lot of it is fear. I think when stuff like this happens in the church, we are uncomfortable because our religion has been triggered. Our legalism has been triggered. And also, another thing, too, is I think sometimes when it comes to being prophetic versus being judgmental, I think also, you know, judgmental people have amnesia. Something I used to do when I some, something went something that the Lord would always remind me when I was dealing with a judgmental spirit or a critical spirit, he asked me, did I not snatch you out of fornication? Did I not snatch you out of pornography addiction? Did I not snatch you out of suicide? Did I not snatch you out of anger and rage and bitterness? Did I not snatch you out of depression? Why is it that whenever we quote unquote operate in the prophetic, we seem to forget where God has brought us from? This is stuff that I have done, but this is also stuff that I have seen. I have seen myself and others run into people who had the same struggle as them, but there was such a lack of compassion and a lack of the heart of Christ. And it was beyond me. And I felt like I was more, I, I felt, I felt like I was more, I felt like, and I'm gonna just say what it is. I felt like I was better because I was not there anymore, but they were. So because I was no longer sleeping around, but they were, I felt like I was better. And I felt like I was in a place to be judgmental because they were addicted to porn, because they're addicted to pornography and they deal with a lust problem. But I don't anymore. And God set me free for some reason in my mind that translated to, oh, 
you're able to judge now or there's something off in your spirit. And, and, and you know, I, I feel like I feel like it could just be toxic because we we are. Oh, Jesus. Like even when it comes to the even when it comes to the gift of the discerning of spirits, right? Like it is a real thing. I understand that. But what this can do, y'all, if we're not careful, it will formulate a Christianity where we will intentionally look for something that is wrong. Like we will intentionally look for the wrong in a person and not the good in them. And I'm like, this is not the heart of God. And I found myself doing it and it was so toxic. It was so unhealthy. And even in the midst of repenting from it, there are still times in my life where I have to check certain thought patterns and repent and be like, yo, this is not the way that the Lord thinks. You have to remember, this is a part of repentance too. When God tells you to repent, he's not just talking about your sex addict. He's not talking about your sex addiction. He's not talking about your drug addiction. He's not just talking about those things. He's talking about the partiality in your heart too. He's talking about the rejecting of those that you feel like are less than you as well. He's talking about your rejection to the vulnerable, to the orphan, to the homeless, to those that are poor. That is also a part of repentance. So, so when it comes to the when it comes to your mindset and the way that you think about people, that can affect the way you prophesy. That can affect the way you move in the prophetic. Like that, and just because you have the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that he'll be fully activated in your life because that's based off of your submission and your willingness to let go of your perspective and what you think. So I, I just think it's definitely something to evaluate. What I always noticed is it always seems to me that the person that was rejected by society was the person that Jesus gave the most attention to. If we look something, I always something that always baffles me in scripture is this. You have two instances. You have you have not even two instances. Let's just think about this. Right. You have the instances with blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, um, the, the paraplegic, um, Lazarus, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the leper, like all, all of these situations in scripture. And then you have the young rich ruler, you know, what's crazy. All Jesus said to the young rich ruler was sell of your possessions, sell everything you have and follow me. And then the young rich ruler you know, left. And that was their interaction. It seems to me Jesus's shortest interaction with somebody in the Bible was with a rich person, but his longest interactions were with the people that were desperate and poor and rejected by society. Even with the woman caught in adultery, like I'm just noticing a pattern with the Lord. I'm not saying God is against those that are wealthy because he was more so talking about the heart posture, not the, um, not the natural finances of the rich young ruler. But I just noticed that it seems to me that God intentionally goes for those that are more vulnerable and broken. If we would just really look at his nature, like, and, and I think that's just something to really consider. Uh, I, I don't think God was making a mistake or he just so happened to talk about partiality in the book of James when those that were wealthy were being treated better than those 
that were uh, not wealthy or those that were poor. And so I think I think what I also know is this. The prophetic in the church is partial. I think we're I think our I think the gift of the discerning of spirits is partial. I think we're more prone to operate in the gift of the discerning of spirits if we see a woman in our church with a high skirt or leggings on than we do with a man with a fresh cut and a suit on. You know, like, and I'm not saying this is every, I'm not saying this is every single church or every single person, but I'm I'm just highlighting an issue that I know is real. Like, I know this is a real thing and I've dealt with it. And so it's, it's something to look at. It's something to call out and it's something to repent from. It's something to ask the Lord to purify us in the way that we look at one another. Um, like I said, I feel like I've been wrong about so many things. I've been wrong about so many people. And I felt really bad because here I am making a notion. And then God forbid you tell somebody what this person is dealing with. God forbid you tell this person. God forbid you tell another person what you sense this person is dealing with prophetically. And God forbid you're wrong. And it's simply just your preference. It's simply just your opinion. It's simply just your bias. I think every healthy prophet and every healthy individual that is prophetic needs to locate their bias. You have to because your bias, your bias can cause a culture of partiality with you and the prophetic. Um, I think as well, we have to be careful versus labeling something as not our preference Versus saying that it is not of God. I think we have to be very, very careful because many people, and you know what? I'm going to just say it. The amount of stuff that I've been hearing about Mike Todd, I'm going to just say it. Um, I just feel like first things first is any person with this degree of influence that he has would be getting just as much as critique as him. I just want to say that. Every minister that has influence receives critique. You cannot lie and tell me that I'm wrong. If you tell me I'm wrong, you're capping. That's number one. Number two, I think we have to be very, very careful when we say that someone is not of God. If, if, if it's not a preference, then just say that. And that's okay. It's okay if you don't have preferences. I mean, it's, it's okay if you have preferences. It's okay if somebody's flow of ministry is not your preference. But to say that this person is not of God, I think we're reaching because now we're questioning folks' salvation when they haven't exhibited fruit to where we could do that. So 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 now you have somebody who made made a made a couple mistakes and because personally I just don't believe Mike Todd is a false teacher. I think he does make some mistakes and I think there are things that he did that if I was in his position that I wouldn't do, but I also know that he brought a he bought a whole complex. I also know that thousands of people have gotten saved and given their life 
to Jesus in the midst of his ministry. I also know the kind of fruit that I've seen in my life because of listening to his messages. Is Mike Todd my preference? No, but I just feel like let's, how about, how about this? How about we take the absolutes out of it unless it correlates with scripture? How about we simply just say, this is not my preference. I do not prefer this form of ministry. I do not prefer this kind of preacher. I do not prefer this person. You can say that. But what happens now is when people use their opinions, bro, and make it absolute and objective, this is where we turn in. This is where we struggle. We can struggle with nearly turning into diviners and manipulators because now we're going from I think this way to God said this. And now because you think a certain way and because you're so high and holy and you reside in the third heaven and nobody else got God but you to the degree that you do. Now, if somebody disagrees with your quote unquote prophetic perspective on an individual, they somehow are not hearing the spirit of God. And I just think we got to be careful with stuff like that. Am I saying that there are not preachers that are endowed in wickedness? That is not what I'm saying. I know for a fact that there are many false teachers. There are many false prophets. There are even music leaders or worship leaders that are corrupt and in sin and wickedness and perversion. I smell it on them every time I look at them. So I'm not going to deny that. But what I'm saying is I just think we have to be careful and we just have to be mindful in the way that we go about things. Because also you have to realize not everybody is also mature enough to hear these kind of things. Or if they are, you have to also be very strategic in your delivery when sharing things like this. But if something is not if if something is based off of your preference, don't make it prophetic. The prophetic is not based off of your preference. The discerning of spirits is not based off of your preference. The prophetic is based off of the testimony of Christ. And that is not your preference. That is, that is not your, that is not what you feel about something. Jesus is Jesus. The testimony of Christ is the testimony of Christ. That, that's not something that is up for debate or that's not something that is subjective. The testimony of Jesus is what it is, but, but your preference is your preference. And so I just, I just, I just think we have to make sure that just because it is against our preference or it is something that is not what we would prefer that we don't just judge it and say, it's not God. I just think we have to be careful because also you have to realize that God can touch somebody based off of your preference. It is prideful to think that the only way for somebody to receive breakthrough in ministry in the Lord is through the confines of your preference. This is why, as I said earlier, if the prophetic is not checked and you are not sober, it can fuel you into arrogance and pride. And you think that in order for God to move and in order for the spirit of God to move in the way that he wants, he has to do it within the confines of your preference or your experience. I'll say this. I am a black man. I grew up and went to a Baptist church until I was 
19 years old. Until I was 19 years old. So, I'm sorry, until I was 20 years old. I went to I went to a black Baptist. So I want you majority of the church that I went to was black. Okay? And the um I went to a black Baptist church for two decades of my life. I'm 23 now. So I, I just want you to understand where I'm going with this. The way that we worshiped in the black Baptist church, the way that there was preaching in the black Baptist church is not how there is preaching at my current church right now. Okay. I go to church. My church is beautiful. I love my church. I have never, and I'm, I'm being honest. I have never seen such diversity in, in worship or in, in, in a church in my entire life ever. When I joined my church, it was the very first time in my life that I stepped into a church and majority of the people were not black. Or if there was a chunk load of us that were black, there were other ethnicities. There were Hispanics. There were Asian. There were um, Indian, whatever, whatever God, whatever God sent to us is what we received. And so it would be foolish to me to say, because majority people in here ain't black and majority of the women are not wearing skirt, skirts and majority of the men are not wearing double breasted suits and majority of the deacons ain't black. Like it would be foolish for me to say that because the style of preaching, the style of worship, the style of song, the style of uh, music, the style of music was not the same as the black Baptist church that I came from, that God was not going to move. And as a matter of fact, if I just be frank, I've seen God move in this church in ways that I've never seen him move. This church was the first church where I saw miracles. This church was the first church where I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. This church was the first church where I, where I saw devils getting casted out of people consistently not just a one-time thing, but consistently. This church was the first church that I would see people who weren't even saved would, would randomly get filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Folks would get folks would speak in tongues uncontrollably. I saw a 12-year-old speak in tongues and shake on the ground. I have never seen the Spirit of God move to the dimension that I have seen him move in my church today. I'm not saying my church is better than any other church. What I'm saying is my openness and willingness to explore something greater. You get what I'm saying? My openness and willingness to explore something greater has allowed me to see God in a new way. Because the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It is hot in here. I'm turning this AC up. Hallelujah. Um, but another thing, too, is judgmental, being judgmental versus being prophetic. Something. Oh, God, I hope y'all can't hear that. OK, it's not as loud no more. Hallelujah. The discerning of spirits or the prophetic, being able to discern what is on somebody's life, good or bad. Right. But once again, the struggle is when you when you see somebody that is dealing with Jezebel or you see somebody who's dealing with, you know, a manipulative spirit or whatever, whatever you sense on this person, if you are truly prophetic and have the heart of Christ, you are solution oriented. It is very easy for me to look at somebody and say, you have a spirit of Jezebel. 
it is a whole nother thing for me to say, okay, God, I discern that this person has Jezebelic tendencies. So God, how do you want to utilize me under the leading of the Holy Spirit to break this person free from the spirit and the grip of Jezebel? Or how about this? Ask questions. Maybe our prophetic would be greater if we would just talk to folk before we stared off at them from a distance. Oh, she looks like she could be dealing with this. He looked like he could be dealing with this. Have you asked them about their trauma? Have you asked them why they dress like that? Have you asked them why they talk like that? Do you know where they come from? I think something that the Bible is intentional to, to share when Jesus performed miracles or did mighty works, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. So we're sitting here. What is the prophetic? It is communicating the heart, the mind, and the will of God to an individual. How are we going to do that effectively if we don't have compassion? How are we going to do that effectively if we're not sensitive to what may or may not have happened to this person? What does the Bible say? Be slow to speak and quick to listen. That doesn't just mean in regular conversations. Maybe it also means, maybe, maybe that's also that should also be utilized for our prophetic tendencies, okay? I just know that so many people have been hurt. So many people have been misjudged. So many people have felt condemned. And, and the thing is, this it's so important to y'all because we have to remember, we're not just anybody. We are the church. So when the church, when, when, when mother who's 65 years old gives the woman a God who comes in here with booty shorts, a stank look, you know what that says to her? That's how God is looking at me. God is looking at me with a stank face because I got my thighs out. God is looking at me with a stank face because I have my breast out or to the guy who smells like weed and we all get a whiff of him in the sanctuary and our minds just go south. What does that communicate? Oh, we think, oh, he may think God looks at him and says, you smell like weed. Get away from me when that's not the heart of Christ. Y'all got to remember a lot of these people haven't really been to church before. They don't know God. So us as people, we represent God to them. So when we demonstrate a stank attitude, a judgmental facial expression, they may interpret that as this is how the Lord feels about me. And he doesn't. And I believe we have portrayed an inaccurate image of Jesus to these people. I believe we are called to repent of our sins. I believe that perversion in all forms is against the word and the standard of God. But I also believe that while promoting righteousness, we can still be sensitive, kind, loving, patient, and solution oriented. And I believe that we as a church, not just, I'm not talking about my church, I'm talking about we as the body of Christ have struggled with this strongly. And I think one, like I said, I think number one is we're afraid. We don't know how to deal with these folk that come in that don't have church training, as my mom would say. And then another thing, too, is 
we become arrogant and prideful because we forget where we come from. And so because of that, we're so quick to, to forget. So, yeah, um, these are my thoughts. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I wanted to say. Um, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised how many people really want deliverance and freedom. And this blocks their freedom. And at the end of the day, every man and woman will have their own choice on whether to choose Jesus. But people carrying a certain attitude or a certain aura doesn't help. It doesn't help. Um, understand your biases when it comes to the prophetic. Understand your preferences. Understand where you're at where you're at emotionally, where you're at in your maturity or your maturation. Understand these things. These things can and will affect the way that you prophesy, the way that you discern. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I would even challenge you in a godly way to for, for the people. Hopefully this makes sense what I'm about to say. The people that are against your preference I challenge you to go directly to those people. I challenge you to go to the people that are against your preference. The people that make your flesh turn sideways, go to those people because it's those people that God wants to use you for. It's those people that God wants to dig up out of you that partiality. Because you can't be like Christ and be partial. You can't. You, you, you really can't. You can't be like Christ and allow your preferences to overrule you. You can't. I'm sure God has a preference in some of us. God prefers to deal with people that are more obedient. Hello? Jesus said, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So, you know what I mean? Like, God probably has a preference in his children I'm not going to deny that. I don't think that's wrong. There's nothing wrong with having a preference, but it's it it's easier for God to deal with somebody who is more obedient. Yet God does not limit his dealings with his children. God deals with all of us to the degree that we need and to the degree that he desires. He loves all of us the same. We do not have all the we do we all do not have the same rank. That that's number 1. I don't want people to believe that because that's not true. There is going to be a ranking system in heaven. Not all of God's children will be rewarded the same. I say this all the time. There will be a judgment in what you do with your life. Like when you get judged, there will be a judgment where it will determine whether if you go with God or you get hellfire. That's one judgment. The other judgment, God's going to look at you and be, okay, so what did you do with your life now? You claimed me on earth. You're in the kingdom. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. But what did you do with your life? And according to that, you will be judged for your reward in heaven. So there's going to be some of us that's going to get a mansion, whole bunch of accolades, whole bunch of gold medals, and somebody else might just get a shack. Because that's all they did for the kingdom. You will be judged according to what you do in this life for the kingdom of God. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. But, yeah, I, I think this is a very important topic. Understand the difference between the prophetic and being judgmental. Being prophetic, you're leading people to Jesus with the prophetic. 
It is the testimony of Jesus Christ, not just the holiness, but the redemption of Christ. Right. The prophetic should always lead to redemption. How does God bring redemption to what it is I am seeing and discerning? Amen. So I hope this blessed y'all and I appreciate each and every one of y'all for listening and stay tuned. I have another idea for an episode um, soon to come. So I will see y'all on the next one. Deuces. What up, y'all? I just want to say that I appreciate each and every person that decided to listen to this latest podcast episode. I hope you were blessed and I hope you enjoyed it. There is definitely more to come. If you have not followed me on Instagram, follow me at Jesse Prada at J-E-S-S-E-P-R-O-D-A. And I will see you all on the next episode. Peace.